what did I think about this week book club started when I made the commitment to start carving out more time in the day for myself. As women, as moms, as partners, as bosses, we tend to give out so much of ourselves without taking the time to replenish. I realized that there was an opportunity to create a space to encourage women to do just that. So here we're going to pick novels, get lost in its pages, then get together to share our perspectives. My name is Janine, host of What Did I Think About This Week podcast, and this is The Book Club. What's good? What's cracking? What's popping? Everybody, good evening or good night, depending on what time you are joining me. For those who do not know, my name is Janine, and I am the host of What Did I Think About This Week podcast. Um, So... The podcast aspect of what I think about this week, like actual episodes have been slim to none, but um, I've been really focusing on the book club that I started under the What Did I Think About This Week umbrella. So I just kind of wanted to hop on camera since I haven't really shared any content with you guys and um, just kind of talk about the book club a little bit. So started the book club in February. We've been going pretty strong. I'm so proud of us. Uh, we've done The Vanishing Half, The Mothers, Saving Ruby King, Conjure Women, This Close to Okay. And last month we finished The Coldest Winter Ever by Sister Soldier. And the book, excuse me, had all of us in a chokehold to a point where we were like, you know what? Okay, we're just going to do the whole Sister Soldier series. So um, this month we are reading Midnight's Against the Love Story. Um, so for those who have read The Coldest Winter Ever, you know, Midnight is this guy that Winter was just smitten over and she wanted and could not have. Um, nothing she did could break him, could seduce him, could get him to give her any type of attention. He, look, he looked at her like she was a little girl. So um, from the tidbits that we got about Midnight, you could just tell that he was on a different level, very much more mature, just in a different space then winter and a lot of the other people in her in her environment so i'm really excited to get to know him a little bit better to dig off into this story so tonight i wanted to read the first chapter together um maybe two depending on how i feel because it's late and i'm tired but i need to i need to start on this if you are interested in joining the book club there is still time there is still time um we are Meeting for our brunch November 6th. Um, if you can't make the brunch, that's fine. Um, you can get in on the discussions via social media. But if you are in the Atlanta area and you want to partake, make sure that you follow me on Facebook and on Instagram. I'll post all of the dates and everything on there. And we would love to have you. Um, right now, it is all women. Uh, and I'm kind of, not to exclude my guys, but it's been nice to just kind of create a space for these beautiful women to get together to talk and to just kind of kick it and discuss a book every month. So we may or may not expand in the future. As of right now, we're just kind of doing a ladies only type thing, at least when it comes to the brunches and stuff. All right. Um, so before I start reading, <laughs> disclaimer, I like to say words that aren't on the page. So if you're reading along and you hear a that that's not there, it's because my mind thought it, so it's on the page now. So we just, just a disclaimer. All right. 
One, word to life. I am not who you think I am. If you love me, you love me for the wrong reasons. Females tell me they love me because I'm tall. They love me, they love when I stand over them and look down. They love when I lay them down and my height and body weight dominates them. Females tell me they love me because I'm pure black. They say they never seen a black man so masculine, so pretty, so beautiful before. Females say they love my eyes. They're jet black too. Women claim they find a passion in them so forceful that they'll do anything I say. Females tell me they love my body. They beg me for a hug even when there's nothing between me and them. They want to be captured in my embrace and press their breasts against my chest. Some females ask if they can just touch me. Some tremble when my hands touch them. They say they love the muscles in my arms. They surrender when I lift them up. They whine and moan in rapture. Some cry their pleasure, some shake, some pee. Some of them even say they love the way my teeth look in my mouth and how my feet look in my kicks. Females tell me they love the way I walk, like I'm soon to own the world. Some females say they love that I'm quiet, then shiver when I finally talk. All of the women show me that they love my guns. The fact that I walk with two of them at times. Even the ones who get scared fall in love with when they, their fear of me. Then they come at me even harder. Oh, wow. Some females say I'm too serious, then shield their eyes to hide their feelings from the shine when I finally smile. I can't lie. I enjoy the good times that some of these women offer me, but I don't take them to heart. I know that they don't, e don't really even know me. All the shit that they are in love with is just my style and my looks, all window dressing. I know that a man is his own beliefs, his own ideas and actions. If you knew me, you knew, you would know what I believe. If you knew what I believe, then you would understand how I think. You would understand my ideas and actions. Only then should you decide. Either you believe what I believe or you admire what I believe and want to get with those beliefs. If not, in the long run, we got nothing in common. I can't take you seriously. I gotta go. You got nothing that makes me want to stay. I don't come from where you come from. I don't think like you do. My whole situation is different. I come from a country of real men who take real life serious. I wouldn't trade places with an American born, born man for any amount of cash. Where I'm from, a son has a first name and three last names. The three last names are the names of his father, grandfather, and great-grandfather. Any male who cannot identify his father, grandfather, and great-grandfather is already lost. These three names are what makes a boy who he is. There is no talk of role models and celebrities. A son is raised under his father's wing and, a, and with a grandfather to guide and a great-grandfather as a blueprint, plus an army of uncles nearby. Where I'm from, a man does not bow to any other man. A man bows down only to Allah. Only Allah created the heavens, the galaxies, the universe, and all of the millions of creatures within. My father had three wives, not one wife, one wifey, and a bunch of random bitches on the side. Where I'm from, a man wants to marry a woman and establish a strong family. A man can have more than one wife as long as he can treat them all fairly and provide them with love, separate homes, food, guidance, and presence. 
there is no such thing as domestic drama. A woman feels fortunate to be selected by a quality husband, a family man who will be by her side for her entire lifetime. Families are permanent. When a man is ready to build his family, he selects a woman who he likes, who is from a family who raised her right, a woman who knows how to love and live. She has to be good for him, his beliefs and plans for life. Someone who brings him peace, progress and pleasure, then he is down for her for real. She is down for him too because she feels his strength, craves his love and attention, feels safe tucked at his side and is confident that every day he is making the right moves for her, his family and himself. Our women don't argue with their man. A man knows what he is supposed to do and not do. It is the same thing he watched his own father do and not do, so he does it. Even if a man selects the wrong path, his punishment is between himself and Allah. His woman cannot punish him, judge him, or nag him to death. In my country, a wife is not a whore or ex-whore. Every move a woman makes matters. She can bring dishonor to her man and family, even with a simple glance at another man, if it is held for too long. Even where I am from, there are whores. They know their place too. They stay within the walls of the illegal whorehouse, never to be glorified, honored, claimed, or married. A whore, where I am from, is the opposite of arrogant. She is used but never celebrated by decent men or women. She knows that she can never enjoy the lifestyle and contentment of a respected sister, daughter, mother, or wife. The punishment for a good woman who comes from a good family and suddenly behaves whorish is severe. She will be isolated by her parents, family, and friends. Her father and mother may lock her away and confine her to one room in the house. In some cases, she is even murdered by her own husband, father, or brother for bringing shame and dishonor to her family and the people who raised, guided, loved, and provided for her. The family member who commit the murder is not arrested. The whole country acknowledges, um, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, here we go. The whole country acknowledges that a woman is sacred. Every move she makes is either building her family up or breaking it down. Every thought she has is felt and considered by her children. Every word she speaks either teaches or misleads. She must remain honorable, pure, and righteous. Otherwise, there will be no happiness, no family, and no reason to exist. Mouthing off, Bugging her man's friends, brothers, and cousins, running away with the children, aborting the babies, lying about who is the father of her children, not knowing who the father is, yelling and disrespecting, doing drugs, drinking, parading around mostly naked, acting crazy. Our men don't stand for that. We have not exper experienced that. We never will. Our women know their place. They stay in it and live and thrive there. They remain there happily. Our women give love and are loved even more. She is respected, protected, and provided for. She lives proud and at peace. Where I am from, liquor is illegal and forbidden. We believe that it makes a man behave with ignorance. After drinking liquor, the next step, we believe, is to betray God and, de and destroy yourself and your family. In my country, homosexuality is non-existent. For the absolute majority, it is unknown and undone. There have been one or two of those who have traveled out to other places in Europe or America and come back with this bizarre behavior. However, they could never remain with us. Their homosexuality resulted in suicides or they just turned up missing. 
There are no tears for the man who enters into the exit and builds a life where there can be no balance, reproduction, or family. Sorry, I had to. <laughs> All right. Where I am from, adultery is a crime for a man or a woman, even to fuck someone else's sister or daughter just because you feel like it or like the way she looks without approaching her family for marriage means that you have brought about a battle between dishonored families, yours and hers. The man who commits adultery will be punished by his family. The woman who commits adultery will be considered ruined. Where I am from, men work. Whether he works his own land and is paid in the foods the earth produces, whether he works someone else's land, whether he is paid in cash, cattle, or otherwise, he works. Hard work is a man's way of providing for and demonstrating that he loves his family. Each man must have a business of products or services. His product might be fish, meats, vegetables, fruits, jewelry, clothing, crafts, furniture, vehicles, parts and supplies, or other items. Or he may provide services as a doctor, carpenter, construction worker, engineer, lawyer, driver, educator, or performer. But no man can sit doing nothing. His family, backed up by the entire community, would never allow it. When I talk about where I am from, which is almost never, both males and females feel uneasy. Some look at me in disbelief, like I'm a fucking liar. Others stare off in complete boredom, like it is not a life that they would ever want to live. But I feel fine. People where I am from are happy, while almost everybody I know in America feels fucked up, empty, and dissatisfied, especially the Black people. At 14 years young, I became a citizen of the United States. It was supposed to be a great day to be remembered for a lifetime. There we were, becoming a part of what is known as the best country in the world, America, after having been born and living inside of what Americans consider the worst place in the world, the continent of Africa. We got dressed up and took the A train to City Hall in New York City. We recited some things that we had already memorized, then it became official. I should say it became legal. I was an American on paper. I never became one in my heart or mind. The year I became an American was the same year I got locked up. I went from the projects to juvenile detention to prison. Each year I became more and more familiar with the American Blacks, the ones who look just like me. They range from very light skin to my rich dark color as it is back home. When I first arrived, there they were Afro-Americans, then Blacks, then African-Americans, and eventually niggas. They talked like they were the most powerful, clever motherfuckers on the planet. They looked down on other Blacks arriving from, other from any other country in the world. They hated every accent besides their own. They was quick to catch an attitude and say some shit that I could tell they really knew nothing about. There was no real way for me to separate myself from them. We all looked the same, wore the same clothes, spoke the same slang, all united by our Air Jordan kicks. I don't talk a lot. Where I'm from, the boys and men are trained to leave the blabbering to the young girls. It wasn't too long before I realized that if I said nothing for the rest of my life, shit would only get worse. I'm telling my story so Black people worldwide will know that we wasn't always fucked up. Also, that a good life takes a great effort and sacrifice but feels so much better than what we all got now. Besides, if the authentic men don't say shit, there will be no evidence that real men really do exist.
Living side by side with niggas and watching them play themselves every second of every day, the broke ones all the way up to the rich ones is killing me. I'm not a preacher, politician, pimp, or celebrity. Most of them couldn't go to hell quick enough for me. A man who doesn't say what he means or do what he says craves attention and misuses it when he gets it, doesn't share what he knows and earns, deserves death. I am not who you think I am. My people are not who you think they are. Our culture and traditions are unknown to you. Sometimes it takes, any, it takes someone from the outside to show you how you look and do. If you're American born and raised, you're bound to get it twisted. You can't see yourselves or don't know yourselves. You're, you're too accustomed to looking at life from only one fucked up angle. Everything you have ever seen or heard about Africa is wrong. My African grandfather taught me that the storyteller is the most powerful person in the world after God. My grandfather said, be careful who you listen to and what they are saying. The, story the storyteller is clever and masterful and has already decided exactly what he wants you to think and believe. The storyteller has the power to make people feel good or bad about themselves. The storyteller has the power to make people feel strong or weak, ugly or beautiful, confident or defeated. Unfortunately, all of the stories being told to Blacks in America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean have made Blacks worldwide feel low, weak, crazy, backwards, and powerless. So low that the storyteller has set the conditions for Blacks to be robbed of all their stuff and too stupid to recognize it. So put your bruise and blunts on pause. Rock with me for a few. That was the first chapter. Tell me to put my bruise and blunts on pause. That's like my whole, y'all saw my post, what, what was there? Well, it was hookah and it was sparkling water, but on a good night, that's usually something else. So, I don't know. I kind of want to read a second chapter, but I feel like that was a great introduction. Like, I feel like I know him now. <laughs> I feel like I have such a better understanding of who he is. I'm, and I'm rocking with the mindset. Some of the beliefs are a bit harsh for me, but let's, 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 let's do chapter two. Let's just do it. Why not? Why not? Before midnight. African born, my father was not a king, but he was a phenomenon. The things he taught and showed me were more valuable than the three sparkling, three carat diamonds he placed in the palm of my hand. My father said not every man is qualified to be king. Not every man should want to be king. When unqualified men become king, they destroy everyone one way or another because of their ignorance, greed, or anger. Every day they live with their fear that it will be exposed that they do not deserve their wealth and do not really know how to rule. My father was an advisor to the prime minister of Sudan, the most powerful man in our country. He was also the advisor to my extremely popular and influ influential Southern Sudanese king. My father was a great thinker, the man with the ideas that the king and prime minister pretended they thought of themselves. This placed my father in the position of power, quiet power, but it also put him in the position of working to bring two deeply separated parts of one nation together. He was constantly being studied and watched and eventually hated by a handful of men who could not compare. These same men who couldn't think or see straight on their own had no vision 
of power that would come through unity. They envied my father, rejected his thoughts and ideas, yet imitated his style and finesse. When crooked men felt, feel threatened and have no chance of competing with or matching the intelligence and maneuvers of a man who they see as their rival, they begin to use their insecurity. That man, what? Wait a minute. Oh yeah, okay, sorry guys, see, there it is. I'm skipping words. They begin to use their insecurity to set that man up and bear false witness against him. They don't stop until they bring him down, drive him out and eliminate him from the holding onto something they could never have achieved fair and square. My father taught me to lay low. Don't be the asshole who wants to be seen and celebrated all day. Celebrated all day, every day. Be cool, take it easy, carry out your plans in life, slow and steady, push hard. My father pushed hard, loved hard, lived hard, making great use of every minute and moment. A scientist, he graduated from the University of ooh, Khartoum at age 20. He earned his master's degree at the Sorbonne University in Paris, France. He completed his PhD at Columbia University in the United States of America. At age 26, he returned home a doctor of science. He reminded everyone that Africa was the best place in the world. He didn't just say it, he meant it. He moved back in and worked the land and built businesses from scratch to, entire, to empire status. My father was six foot eight and pure black from head to toe, a blessing, not a curse. An intentional man, international man, he saw the whole world at his background. He made our home in Northern Sudan, the place where my mother was born and raised, the place where I was born also. We lived on his estate, 75 acres of land, four houses, eight buildings, and all of the property I could see in every direction was ours. He named our estate Bet El Rahim, which means the womb. He said he chose this name for many reasons. One, he said, because Africa is the birthplace of the world of human beings of intelligence and all the prophets. Two, he said, because women are the key to life. Three, he said, because children born of a healthy womb become the guardians of traditions. And children born of an unhealthy womb become the curse. So the womb itself is sacred. If we choose, we never had to leave our property. If we chose, we never had to leave the property. Most of our family lived there. My father's closest friends and co-workers' children went to our school on our property and prayed at the mosque on our property. My mother's business was located there in a fully equipped building, exclusively used, managed, and populated by women. Our food was grown on our land. We drew our water from our fresh water wells. Our place was filled with love, laughter, prayer, and music. My father purchased the finest clothes most handmade in, in the Sudan, the rest imported from Italy, France, and America and customized to his size and fit. His shoes were imported from Milan, Lisbon, Guru, Seoul, and Canberra. But his favorite pair was made by his own father, my Southern grandfather, who made the shoes from scratch right before my father's eyes. He gave them to him as a part as a parting gift when my father went off to college, explaining that the handmade pair of shoes were the sturdiest and most reliable, the same as his Southern village. My grandfather said those shoes would bring his son home to him where Southern grandfather believed he belonged. My father loved and collected music from around the world. 
Some evenings he grooved and listened to the thoughtful and melodic voice of Bob Marley. Stevie Wonder's lyrics painted pictures in our minds. Miriam Makaba sang us messages from the people of South Africa. Fila rocked us from Nigeria. The young voice of Michael Jackson amazed and excited us. Our homegrown Sudanese singers like Abdallah Amiga sang us familiar songs framed by familiar sounds, waking, waking and reawakening our love of life in Allah. In one of the buildings on our property reserved for men, my father sometimes practiced playing his trumpet. Once a month, he performed with his just for fun band before an audience of family and close friends. He taught me that hardworking men must always find ways to relax and enjoy life without destroying their family relationships. He spoke seven languages and had acquaintances throughout the world. My father taught me that language should never separate one good person from another. Any man can learn another man's language if he can shut up long enough to listen and sit still long enough to study. We spoke Arabic at home, but he made sure I could speak at least the greetings of several African tongues. And I also studied English in school and practiced speaking it along with my schoolmates. My mother only spoke Arabic. My father loved her so much that she was the exception to many of his rules. He laid the world at her feet. When he hugged and kissed her, anyone could tell. There was nothing realer than that. Even I could tell he wanted only her to himself. I'd move out of their way and disappear into one of my many rooms in our house. He surrounded her in his love, but still allowed her to have her friends, business, and life without within the places built exclusively for her behind the walls of the womb. He was never shy about expressing himself to her. I saw it all the time. About her, I felt the same way. When my father did business in the surrounding suburbs and villages, he mostly drove his truck. For big city and government business, he rode in his silver Mercedes-Benz 600, driven by his trusted Southern Sudanese homeboy, the only person allowed to privately transport him. Parked in our garage area was his custom-made cobalt blue Rolls Royce that rarely left the grounds where we lived. Still, it was always kept clean and polished. We also had a small collection of miniature cars used by our staff to move around our property and to drive outside of our estate to run errands and complete tasks. Our diamonds, gold, ivory, copper, and silver we got from home. It was automatic, part of our property, our history, our heritage, our assets. We also had oil, homegrown fruits and vegetables, and livestock. Yes, you could say despite having to work hard in hot climate, we invented chilling. My father had guns galore, real ones, from 22s to 45s to 357s to 9s to Glocks to G3 rifles to semi-automatics, Uzis, and AK-47s. There were so many weapons that he had a small brick fort built on our property just to store them. On my fifth birthday, he gave me a key to his fort. It was one of the many tests he gave me to prepare me for life. He often would challenge me asking, where, where is your key? I had better have it on me, not in the pocket of the pants I wore last week or yesterday, not somewhere where, not somewhere that I couldn't remember or in the possession of one of the house cleaners or my mother even. He taught me that I had to be responsible for my stuff instead of shifting my weight onto another person, any other person. He taught me how to hold each of the weapons. I felt that most of them weighed more than me. He assured me that they didn't. He taught me how to take them apart, 
put them back together, and how to clean and load them. The first time he took me to the target practice, I was five years old. The kickback from the gun in my hand lifted me off my feet and threw me to the ground. Within seconds, he had me stand back up on my feet and began firing once again. If you fear the gun, he said, you will never be calm enough to hit your target. My father was not a military man, but when I got the chance to travel outside of our estate with him on business or pleasure, he made sure he pointed out Egyptian-made aircraft flying through our skies, German-made watercraft sailing on our waters, Soviet T-54 tanks, and MIG-17 surface-to-air missiles and more. Slowly and carefully, he would say so seriously, this one was designed by Germany. This one was designed by Britain. This one was designed by Israel. This one was designed by Italy. This one was designed by Pakistan. All of these weapons in the section were manufactured by the Americans, he would say pointing. Do you know why they designed and motivated and, and provided these weapons for us, he would ask me. Do you know what they want you to do with them, he would ask. Then he would answer himself. They designed these weapons so that we could make their lives easier, so that you and I would wipe out our own family, friends, and countrymen, allowing them, the foreigners, to come in and raid and rule our land, seize our gold, export our diamonds, and siphon our oils. Take a look around, he would say. Everything we have, some which I acquired through birthright, the rest from hard work, education, blood, sweat, and tears could be gone in an instant because it is everything that every man in the world dreams of possessing. You must fight to keep it. My father said every son is entitled to inherit what his father earned, but still must plan to fight for it. Admire your father, but still become a man who stands on his own feet and works his own accomplishments and miracles. My father said every man will be pushed to kill something or someone either to feed himself and his family or to keep from being disrespected and dominated. But don't be eager to kill, son, because when you kill, you lose something too. It is better to give life than to give death. It is harder to maintain life than it is to wipe it out. There are unreasonable men on this earth who are determined not to let you be as you are, live as you are, Love as you are, work as you are. They will bring war to your doorstep, like it or not. If you win, good for you and your family. Praise Allah, enjoy the peace. If you lose, lay low, go underground, go slow, rebuild and regroup and come again. If they take your land, gold, diamonds and oils, let them have it for the moment while you think, reposition yourself, regain your strength, plan and purpose but never allow them to take your women, your children, or your family, or you will be defeated forever. My father said and did a whole lot of incredible things. His voice is louder in my ear than my own. He taught me that women are 100% emotion. Love them, but don't obey them. A man must go into the world without fear and do what is right, required, and necessary. The last thing he told me the last time I saw him was, Son, no matter what, take care of your mother and your sister. Guard them in their honor. Protect them with your life. My family came to America not because we loved it and thought it was better place in the land of opportunity. We came to America without our influence and abundant riches to lay low, to go underground, to go slow, to rebuild, 
to regroup, to regain our strength, position, plan, and purpose to come again. <sighs> so I'm going to continue reading, um, but I'm not going to do it on camera because, or record it because that's going to be hours of just my voice. Um, but oh my gosh. I think that there's something to um, him saying that where he's from in Sudan, the boys have three last names of his father, of his great-grandfather. I'm sorry, father, grandfather, and great-grandfather. I think when you have to carry the weight of your elder's name, there's a certain level of like pride that comes with that and almost of purpose and an obligation to do right by your people. And, um, you know, we know what happened to Midnight and his family once they came to America from the coldest winter ever. So that last line where he's like, okay, we came to America to regroup, replan, rethink, go underground, lay low. It's like, ooh. Yeah, so I'm excited. Um, I'm gonna finish these grapes. I'm gonna finish a couple more chapters. And um, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in and um, reading with me or listening to me read. Again, if you wanna be a part of the book club, please feel free to reach out so that you can be a part of this. Um, again, we're reading the whole Sister Soldier series, which is like five or six more books. So we have our, the rest of the year and half of 2022 planned already for the book club. And um, if you're not already, follow me on all so social media platforms. Make sure you um, subscribe to the podcast on all um, podcast platform platforms. I can speak English on all podcast platforms and um, hoping to get more visuals to you all as well. But good night. Talk to you all later. Bye.